and Answers begins right now. The Jesus that is preached in many of the churches today, unfortunately, is not the Jesus of the Bible. Many teach that God is love, meaning God accepts not only the person, but the lifestyle of the person as well, and that God will allow everyone into heaven no matter what they believe. There are best-selling books of individuals going to heaven and meeting Jesus, but the Jesus they write about is different from the Jesus of the Bible. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with our host, Pat Sukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat began a message entitled, Here Comes the Judge. Today, as we conclude, Pat explains the Apostle Paul's encounter with the glorified Christ and discovers the true character of Christ. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. There you will find this message and hundreds more podcasts that you may download or listen online. Now let's get right to the conclusion. And one of the passages she continually quoted was 1 Peter 5.10, which states, After you have suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. It's the hope of eternal glory with Christ that keeps her from becoming depressed and discouraged. You know, if I was in her situation, I'd probably be depressed and discouraged a lot. So it's absolutely amazing how the hope and faith she has in Christ gives her the ability to meet trials and tribulations with joy and even excitement each day. And, you know, in a radio interview I had with her, you can listen to the podcast on our website at evidenceandanswers.org. I interview her for over an hour. And I asked her, how do you keep from bitterness and resentment towards God? Many people think, you know, God, you shortchanged me. I got the wrong end of the stick. And her answer was quite profound. She said, there's three principles, Pat. Number one, you have to keep Christ focused every day. Second, you have to keep focused on eternity, that there's something greater beyond this life. And finally, keep ministry focused. Look for opportunities, even through your suffering, to love others and be a powerful witness for Christ. And you can see through her life, she's doing all three. And so your life application, number one, is this. You know, as believers in Christ, remember, we're not immune to the trials and sufferings that we're going to face in this fallen world. But we can overcome trials and suffering when we build our future on the promise that God is in control, working all things in our lives for his purpose. And one day, his kingdom is coming. Things will not always be this way. All right. One day he is coming <laughs> to make all things right. And this allows us as followers of Christ to persevere and overcome the trials we face in this life. So keep an eternal focus and you won't lose heart. Now, John turns at this point to see Jesus standing behind him. Now, the last time John saw Jesus is recorded in Acts 1. Jesus was with his disciples in Jerusalem and he ascended to heaven. Now. John is in heaven, and he sees Jesus in his full glory. And he describes the vision of the risen Christ here. He says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking 
to me and turning I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest the hairs of his head were white like white wool like snow his eyes were like a flame of fire his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the roar of many waters in his right hand he held seven stars from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength when i saw him i fell at his feet as though dead so john here now sees the glorified jesus christ in his full glory he says here i turned and saw someone like a son of man he's referring to daniel 7 13 and daniel 7 13 states i saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed now in daniel here he is describing a divine being and we know looking back through the new testament this is the incarnate pre-incarnate jesus christ and when jesus referred to himself as the son of man his time here on the earth this is what he was referring to here it's a title of divinity and john says that he was clothed with a long robe now the high priests wore long robes when they performed their duties in the temple but also men of high rank wore long robes now the evidence indicates that christ here is coming wearing a long robe because now he comes not only as priest but also as judge dr john walvert writes one of the finest commentaries on the book of revelation in fact he's one of the great teachers in eschatology right the late dr john walvert he died a, a little over 10 years ago one of the great bible expositors and theologians in this area of eschatology you need to read the material that dr john walvert writes but he states that the clothing that jesus is wearing shows that jesus is now functioning not only as priest but also as judge remember before the kingdom comes the judgment christ will judge his church and then he will judge the world it says that a golden sash was around his chest i think this refers also to what the angels of the last plague were wearing they were wearing a golden sash and this signifies christ coming as judge because judgment is the theme here it says that his hair was as white as wool it's a reference to daniel chapter 7 verse 9 in that passage referencing the father who had hair white as wool now this reference is also given to christ white hair like wool symbolizes purity and the eternal nature of christ then it says that his eyes were a flame of fire once again a reference to daniel chapter 10 verse 6 and repeated in revelation 2 18 and 19 12 it signifies the righteous wrath 
that is attributed to the risen and glorified Christ here. Remember, he is now coming as judge to render judgment upon his church and then render judgment upon the world. It says his feet were gleaming like bronze as a glow in a furnace. The metal is glowing because of its purity. That's what happens when you refine metals like bronze and the impurities are gone. The brightness highlights then the glory of God. This symbolizes Christ standing in the midst of the churches now as the righteous judge. And John says his voice was like the sound of many waters. And this biblical wording suggests the powerful force now with which he speaks. This is the thundering voice of Christ, revealing the majesty and power which he has, which now all mankind must bow before. And it says here that he is holding the seven stars. The main idea is Christ has absolute authority and complete control. He's holding them in his right hand has complete control over the seven stars. He's holding them in his right hand. It's expressive of majestic power and strength. So holding the seven stars in his right hand symbolizes Christ's authority and control over the churches, which he has now come to judge. And it says, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. The sword coming out of his mouth symbolizes the power now of his spoken word. It symbolizes the force or a warrior defeating his enemies and that judgment is now upon them. And John says his appearance was as the sun shining in its strength. The bright light refers to the glory of God, similar to what the disciples saw there at the Mount of Transfiguration there in Matthew chapter 17. And what is John's reaction? Remember, John was the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who put his head in the bosom of the Savior at the Last Supper. This was an intimate and close disciple of Christ. Gospel of John says this is the disciple whom Jesus loved. When John sees the glorified Christ now, he was completely overwhelmed with awe, all right? He didn't turn around and say, Jesus, my man, my man, Jesus, give me a hug. No, it says here, he fell down as one who is dead, all right? It's an expression of tremendous fear that paralyzes. Remember, before the coming of Christ's kingdom comes the judgment. Chapters 2 and 3 Christ is going to judge his church. And then from chapter 4 through 19, it's Christ pouring out his judgment upon the world. Now today, many have the wrong view of Jesus. What our schools and the media are teaching, and even in many churches, is not the Jesus of the Bible. You know, the Jesus of today is that we hear in popular culture and in unfortunately that idea has also crept in to many schools and and even the churches it's not accurate to what john is describing in revelation one you know i've read several books of testimonies of people who went to heaven and many have called me and asked me if i would interview the author and endorse their book and i haven't been able to 
Many of the testimonies of people who went to heaven, they go to heaven and see their loved ones and see rainbows and beautiful sky and fields of flowers. But many, in fact, the, the ones that I have read, they never see Jesus or the throne of God. That is the centerpiece of heaven. That's what heaven's all about. It's about God and Christ. I mean, there's not a place you're going to go to heaven and hang out in a cafe where the presence of God or Christ will not be. Heaven is all about Christ. You look at those in the Bible who were raptured and got to see a vision of heaven. The first thing they see, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and John, is the throne of heaven. And John here sees the glorified Christ. That's what heaven's all about. You know, there's a book I read. It became a movie. And, you know, many tell me about it. But person went into heaven and he saw Jesus. And Jesus was there with brown eyes and brown hair. Just like a painting you might see in a church or Sunday school. And in this particular story, Jesus was riding a rainbow-colored pony. And the person who saw Christ said, and his eyes, his eyes were big and beautiful. Well, it's not the picture of Christ that you see here in the book of Revelation. I mean, John, being a very intimate friend of Jesus, falls down as a dead man seeing the glory of Christ. His hair wasn't brown. It was white as wool, pure and holy. And he wasn't riding a rainbow colored pony with big, beautiful eyes. John says his eyes were a flame of fire here. You know, another kind of Jesus that's preached today is a universalist, amoral kind of Jesus. Amoral meaning live any way you want. Jesus loves you. And many people don't understand what we mean now when we say Jesus loves you. A lot of people interpret that to mean Jesus accepts the way you live right? And wants you, accepts you as you are and wants you to stay as you are. Jesus is a magic genie who is there to help you get what you want in life. And there is the Jesus of liberalism, a movement called the Search for the Historical Jesus, where they reject 80% of the Gospels or any miracle accounts or Christ's claim to be divine as unhistorical. The historical Jesus movement, unfortunately, is not very historical. They teach that Jesus was not the divine son of God, but a good teacher, a reformer who taught love, equal rights, and fought racism against non-Jews and women. But he was simply a good teacher. He was not the son of God, and he did not indeed rise from the dead. Well, the Bible teaches Christ is the divine son of God, who loves the world and came to die for our sins and rescue us from sin and death, but he is also the Lord of all creation, holy, true, and righteous, and will one day, when he comes again, he will judge all of mankind. Many churches teach a Jesus contrary to the Bible, but they're solid churches with pastors and teachers and leaders defending the true Jesus of the Bible. So you want to attend one of those churches that not only teach a loving Jesus, but a healthy balance of a Jesus who is the ruler of the universe, the holy Lord of all creation. So there should be a healthy balance of teaching that God is love, 
But God is also holy and righteous and calls for his people to live in obedience, holy lives reflecting his very character. You know, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Come as you are and be transformed by the teaching and the power of Christ. So our application is this. Christ is Savior, but also Lord of creation, who will judge the world in righteousness when he comes to establish his kingdom. So we've got to understand, unbelievers will face a judgment day in which they will be judged by Christ. And if they have not received Christ, they will be separated from Christ forever, separated from him, isolated in a place called hell. For Christians, remember, Christ comes as judge. He's judging his church, and he will hold us accountable, not whether we're saved or not. We have eternal life in Christ, but he will hold us accountable for how we lived, how we use the, our time and our talents and the gifts that he has given us. You know, as Christian leaders, Christ will hold us accountable for the example we lived and our teaching. So remember, we don't live to please people. We live for an audience of one. We live for our creator who died and gave his life for us in love. But we also live for an audience of one who will also hold us accountable for how we lived our lives. Now, that's what John sees. And now the son himself makes his declaration here. John states, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and I am the last. And the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. So Jesus touches John with his right hand. This is a sign to bring comfort and assurance. And he says, I am the first and I am the last. This is a title of divinity. It's an expression of his eternal nature as God the Son. In Isaiah 41 and Isaiah 44, God declares, he says, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. He is the beginning and he is the end. And this is the same title Jesus uses of himself. God is the first and last in Isaiah 41 and 44. Jesus uses that title because he is indeed also God the Son. He shares in the nature of God the Father. And he says, I died and behold, I'm alive evermore. So the first and the last who is God, unmistakably here, is Christ using the title of God for himself because he is indeed God the Son. He says, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. He is life in and of himself. Right? In John 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the source of life. And also, he overcame death. He says, I have the keys to death and Hades. He has the power to give life and judge mankind. Now, keys symbolize authority. So he is in charge of death and Hades. Death here is physical death. Hades refers to the eternal state of those who have died. Specifically, it's used of the unsaved. And he has authority over both. 
the element no one has ever defeated in life or even in mythology, Christ has defeated because he is Lord over all. He is Lord over all creation, over any power or principality. He is Lord. Make no mistake, Christ is in charge and he will have his day. You know, that's why even unbelievers prefer a Christian funeral. The reason is that Christianity is the only ideology that can offer any message of hope. I mean, what can you say at an atheist funeral? You know, many of us haven't been at an atheist funeral. I've been to just one. But I mean, what can you say? Our friend John is gone, annihilated, extinct, evermore. You'll never see him again. That's it. It's done. And the same way the fate awaits you. And not only you, our solar system, our earth, the universe, everything is going to end in extinction and annihilation. I mean, what kind of message is that? No message of hope in there. What can the pantheists, those of the Eastern religions say? Your individuality is an illusion. We are one with the cosmos. And when we die, we become one with the cosmos. You don't exist forever as John or Jane or Fred. You, you are absorbed into the one. Really, it's Christianity that can offer really any message of hope, even in the midst of someone's death. Because Christ died, conquered sin and death, and rose again and gives eternal life to all who would believe and entrust their lives to Jesus Christ. And we will see one another again in eternity. What a message of hope that no other ideology in the world can give. My friend's son, we were driving in the car not long ago, and his grandfather had passed away. And his grandfather was a devout atheist. And my friend's son asked me, he says, does grandpa get to go to heaven? And I said, well, only if he knew Jesus. And he said, doesn't Jesus love everybody? And I said, yes, Jesus loves everyone. That's why he died on the cross for each one of us. And you can receive him as Lord and Savior and know him today. Or you can one day meet him as judge. And you wouldn't want that. And so our final application is this. We don't live in despair or we don't live passive lives, just letting things happen and go by, but we live with hope and a willingness to engage our world and our culture with the powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we prepare for a tough road ahead. As we get closer to Christ's return, we're going to study that false teaching will continue to abound as the culture departs further and further from God. It's going to get tougher uh, for Christians to live out their faith in Christ. It's going to get tougher for churches to remain faithful to the teachings of God's word. Many will compromise. There's going to be a tough road ahead, but we don't live in despair, but with faith and hope that God is in control and will bring all things to pass according to his will. When Jesus first came to earth, he came as the Lamb of God who would give his life to take away the sins of the world. Well, Revelation teaches us 
Next time he comes, he comes as the lion to judge, to defeat evil, and to establish his kingdom. That's the great hope for all believers in Jesus Christ. again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. Our goal is to bring you the love of Christ and His teaching as it relates to today's current events. If you would like to hold an apologetics conference or series of teachings at your facility, give Pat a call at 483-0586, or you may email him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to browse through our listing of topics on our site. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. You will also find articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. To keep quality broadcasts, like Pat's on the Air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. Donating is simple. Just log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is grateful for one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to grow in your faith, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log in at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Wait, wait.